0: Hey, it's Michelle Cirocchi with Pitbull Advocates of America, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you and challenges you, and I hope that it equips you to attach action to your advocacy. Enjoy the podcast. Hi. Hello. Hello, everybody. It's Michelle Siraki and Victoria Hofeld. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm super good. I know. How are you? I'm doing good.
1: I'm really excited. I'm moving Maya to her foster to adapt home tomorrow.
0: Oh, yay. That's awesome. I know.
1: I'm so, so excited for her. She's such a little love muffin. She's such a cutie. Oh, my gosh. She's adorable. Yeah. yeah. And. Thankfully, we finally found a perfect canine match for her. Um, Gus is his name. He's super tolerant of her wigging out when she first meets dogs. So thankfully, I feel like it's the right match. So we'll see if it sticks. Fingers crossed. That's so cool. We, of
0: course, and every single rescue out there has a million adorable dogs. And Maya, just for whatever reason, though, hit me in a different way. So, I mean, I think everybody kind of has that happen to them too right. sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. So because we love them all mm-hmm. and you know, we can't get enough of them. But then there's like those every once in a while where you're just like, "Oh, my gosh." Yeah.
1: She's adorable. Yeah.
0: I don't do well taking pictures. I am not a good photographer <laughs> at all. And so therefore I don't take a lot of photos sometimes. Yeah. You know, like Sometimes I'm just like, and eh, I'm not going to do this. The night that Maya came home to People yeah. Advocates of America, mm-hmm. I have so many pictures <laughs> of her in my camera roll Aww. and of you just holding her in the living room. Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally oh, forgot about that. Oh, my gosh, totally. And She's you so just cute. like looking like, oh my god, she's so cute. And I'm like, I know. She's adorable. She She was so
1: skinny, too, when we got her. So malnourished. She's... Oh my gosh. She gained the quarantine 15 (laughs) in a serious sort of way. She's got some little love (laughs) handles that go over her legs when she sits down. Stop it right now. Nice. Quarantine has not been kind to a lot of people,
0: or dogs for that matter. Well, you know I'm all about chubby thighs, though. (laughs) So it's okay with me. It's okay with me, Maya. (laughs) Go (laughs) girl. Yeah, so best of luck to Miss Maya.
1: Oh my she gosh. starts her new
0: adventure tomorrow. Yes, that is. is—it's so exciting. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, today is the
1: one with the third brick. Yes, absolutely. So so we've been talking about laying the foundation, right? Mm-hmm. And the foundation is creating communities that value dogs as companions. Right. Through the last couple of episodes of the podcast, we've mm-hmm. been laying bricks. So mm-hmm. the first brick, which mm-hmm. was advocacy tips. Second mm-hmm. brick, fear. Mm-hmm. Third mm-hmm. brick, Owner support and why it's important. Owner support. Yeah.
0: I and love owner support.
1: I, d- I do too. It actually, it took me a while. It. I love it all. Sorry. Yeah, you do. I know. I know. You especially love rescue though. It's your favorite. Ha
0: ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, people and- are going to think I'm such a jerk now because they can tell that that isn't the case. I have a very hard time with rescue, folks. It's not that I don't love it. I just don't enjoy I don't mm-hmm. enjoy it. I enjoy advocating. I enjoy working with owners. I enjoy teaching people about fear and about different things. I don't enjoy rescue. It it hurts my heart like mm-hmm. almost every second. I don't know how you guys do what you do. I don't yeah, that's rough.
1: Speaking yeah, of liking things and disliking things, all, it took me a hot minute to really appreciate owner support. As a pit advocate, I did not get there immediately. I didn't really understand it. And it took me a while. Okay. Um, and it took me seeing some things to really understand understand what it's about that's totally fair yeah and
0: i and i love it that you know you're gonna just be so transparent because i'm hoping that there are some other people that are listening that are going yeah man me too i just don't get it
1: yeah exactly i used to think that people who could not afford dogs should not be allowed to have dogs ah Ooh, right. That stings now that I know better. (laughs) I don't even like saying that out loud. But it's true. Right. You know, early on, I I got a dog and I loved him very much and I could provide financially for him. So I thought that everybody else should be able to do the same. And then I got a really rude awakening um, working in animal welfare. And that's just not the case. So so it's important that we're talking about this today. Yeah, my
0: my big awakening in the first year or two of having the organization was that I came into this, I came into animal welfare and advocacy thinking that That the owners that what we, you know, like I'm going to put it in air quotes and no one can see, but like the bad owners. So the ones that um, were leaving their dogs outside for a long time and the ones that were their dogs were getting out of their house all the time and the ones that weren't vaccinated and whatever. I thought that those were bad people. Mm hmm. Sure. And that is kind of what you just said. It's it's hard to admit that is, that's yeah. how I felt. But that's what I thought. I mm-hmm. thought that these people that weren't, in my mind, taking care of their dogs, I thought that they were not nice people and that they were just not good. Yeah. And what I found out was that overwhelmingly – The mass majority of those people were just uneducated Mm -hmm. or were just Mm ill-equipped. So it was just that they didn't know how... To do things to be a better owner Mm -hmm. or they didn't know where to find help or they even lived in areas where there's just no resources for them, as in vet offices, as in pet supply stores, as in those types of things. They're not in their local community. So they're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know where to, to begin to go and to get these things that i need. so that was my big awakening.
1: yeah, there are millions of people living in what are called resource deserts, which means like you said they literally don't have access to pet stores or to vet places. Not right. only that, but a lot of those people, the people that live below the poverty line don't have transportation. Right. right? So even if they were in the area that they can't go get it, and right. they're not gonna drive 20, 25 minutes to go somewhere because they don't have transportation. Right. Um, you know, finances is another major issue. I was reading something and in 2017, 19 million pets were living with families um whose income level was below the poverty line. That's so just heart Yeah, so can we just stop for a moment and think about that? 19
0: million pets are yes. in that situation. Yeah. And that means that what roughly 40 million people <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Well, you know, yeah. I mean so let's like think about that right. too because right. I feel really bad for those animals and then I feel really bad for those folks and then here's where I draw a little bit of a line that I've noticed in seminars mm-hmm. has been kind of an eye opening moment for folks. If you're living below poverty, Mm -hmm. and you're having a really hard time, Mm -hmm. and you know, maybe you've had a difficult life so far, you maybe your upbringing was difficult, maybe you just lost your job. Maybe somebody that was an important financial contributor in your life died. You know, there's all of these different factors. And the one thing that I realized that I want those people to have as a pet, I'm going to get a tiny bit emotional for a second. (laughs) I'm so sorry because I think that the love that a pet brings to that family or to that person i'm so sorry i'm trying so hard right now i'm a sympathetic <clears throat> crier so if she starts to cry i'm out too <laughs> all right i'm not gonna look at you anymore okay. but i really think like man i want those people to be able to have the love of a pet in their life because the rest of their life seems like it's really kind of suckish and right and so To be able to snuggle a dog at night while you're sleeping and while you're worried about how you're going to eat tomorrow or something, but you get that love, I am a 100 million percent, I am all in on this. I will do whatever I can so that these folks can continue to have pets in their lives.
1: Yeah, in most cases, a pet in that family is the only thing that they have to give love to. And that reciprocates that love in return. Like seriously, they got themselves and they got their dog and that's it. So to feel like we should take that away or to feel like they are undeserving of that is incredibly judgmental and it's just it's just the wrong way of thinking. We need to be supporting those right. people not demonizing them and not creating an us versus them mentality right? Oh, like we're yes. really good at that in animal welfare. It, let's just
0: make it us and us. Yeah exactly. We are all it, in this together. Yeah, or let's make it us and and them. Yeah. Not us or them or not us against them. Let's make right. it us and them. Yeah
1: for sure and I mean like oh, study after study has proven that dogs enrich our lives. Like we are ready. <sighs> Know that okay, yeah. right, and done. Yeah. So the fact that we feel like some people are more deserving to have pets than others is a grave mistake. And and you don't know what you don't know exactly. And once I truly realized that, I hopped on the owner support bandwagon
0: tenfold. And so, yeah. if you so, disagree with us, yeah. that's okay. Like if you disagree with us, maybe maybe reach out in an email, yeah. and we can talk about it a little bit further. Or maybe if you need a little bit more clarification or a few more stories. About what made mm-hmm. us change our minds on this. Prior to recording, we were talking, yeah. and I said that this is one of those places in the seminar where I watch people's faces. And what I say it's changed moment by moment by how people are right. looking back at me. Yeah. And I can't see any of your faces. You know, like <laughs> yeah. we can't see we can't see that little glimpse into your mind. Right. But what I do know, like I said, was that so many people that have attended the seminars have come away and said, Man, it was something that I just didn't think of. Right. I just didn't think of it that way. I was really only thinking of the dog and I was really only thinking that it could have a somehow a better life but isn't love like really 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 what what companion animals want from us
1: yeah absolutely. you know
0: i mean like if they don't have the best you know newest you know jacket or the yeah. best pair of pajamas you know yeah. or if they don't have the very highest level of oh my goodness all the different types of foods now that are out there and whatever you know come on and once you're able to witness the love between people and their dogs too oh I feel
1: gosh. like that really changes everything too I remember at one health clinic I was at there was this guy who um, his dog had a skin infection and he didn't know how to treat it um, so he had heard word on the street was mm-hmm. that you were supposed to pour motor oil on on the skin please don't do that and don't recommend that it was obviously not the way to go but he had no financial means to get his dog care he loved his dog so much he just didn't want to see her itchy and see her in pain so he thought he was doing what was right once I actually saw the love beaming from him and yeah. then the love beaming back from the dog to him it just changed everything
0: yeah it is amazing when you get to witness it firsthand right. yeah. and so maybe I would encourage people to if they're on the fence about what it is that we're saying if there's some sort of way that they can volunteer in or near their community if there's something going on and they've just thought like i don't want to go and hand out food to people who can't afford food for their dogs i don't want to support that maybe go once Mm -hmm. maybe go once i remember one of the one of the resource clinics that we did years ago a gentleman came And he came toward the end, and we still had plenty of Mm -hmm. different things. We would give out food and treats and collars and leashes and blankets and toys. We would give out, like, all this different stuff. And we just, like, filled his car. And I just remember him. I can't remember if you were there or not, but I just remember him looking. You could tell he just was, like, fighting back the emotion. You know, he's this man who doesn't know us. And he said verbally, he said, this is better than Christmas. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Yeah. And the amount of gratitude that was there was yeah. just unbelievable, too. And it was so real. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that he just he didn't want to cry in front of a bunch of strangers, but that it was just such a big deal for him.
1: I think it's important to note, too, um, You know, we talk about empathy a lot and how important that is. If we can also step outside of ourselves and put ourselves in the position of that person who may not be able to financially afford vaccines or basic vet care. There's a lot of shame that goes along with that, right? Because of how mean people can be.
0: Oh, my God. You know, and and
1: because of people like me previously who were like, yeah, you can't afford a dog. You don't deserve one. Yeah. Yikes. The amount of shame and embarrassment. That's real. And that's there. And. like, they,
0: feel, they feel our negative attitude yeah. when we have one. Oh my
1: gosh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: When we're all judgy and, and in ourselves, yeah. they pick up on it. And then what do they do? Stay home?
1: Right. Because yeah. they don't
0: want to be part of that.
1: Right. Or they, they don't go out because they feel like they're going to get judged for mm-hmm. getting help or for asking help. And like a lot of things in animal welfare, too, this isn't a black and white issue. There's gray in there. Right. There's a lot of muddiness. There's a lot of gray in there. People lose their jobs. Right. People get cancer and get hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of medical bills. Right. You know, like that's tough. Those are tough decisions. Yeah.
0: People have depression.
1: Yeah, exactly. A yeah.
0: lot yeah. of people have depression. Right. And that can be paralyzing, paralyzing, speaking from experience to a point where you can't even sometimes do the things that you're just supposed to do. Right. You know, so I mean, imagine if somebody lost someone that was really important to them Mm -hmm. or lost their job or whatever else that kind of Puts them into now this like depressive place, and then that starts to spiral out of control. And still, the only thing that brings them joy in their world is their dog.
1: Right.
0: But they're even just having a hard time getting out of bed and finding the, you know, the ways to resources are not always easy to find either. So, going back to when you said that a lot of folks that live in poverty or a lot of folks that are in these situations, they can look down the street in all directions and there's nothing. Right. There's no vet. Yeah. There's no pet supply store. Mm-hmm. There's no nothing. Yep. So like, and then what? Right. And do they have computers? <laughs> yeah. No. You know, do they have computers? Sure. Do they just get on in Google? Are they going on Amazon? I don't think so. Right. You know, life is very different for a lot of folks than what it is necessarily for me right. or for you. We haven't even touched the access to good
1: quality housing either. That's a problem if you oh own a pet too, gosh. especially d- depending on what pet you own. Right. Um so again this isn't a in us versus them, it's a complicated issue. You know, there's poverty in there. There's right. There's so
0: yeah. Of I stuff. mean, <laughs> yeah. I think that sometimes we get so overwhelmed with all of the different difficulties in animal welfare, depending on where we're at in it and what mm-hmm. we're doing. That sometimes we just yearn for things to actually be black and white. Right. You know, yeah. like that person's bad. That person's good. That person should have a dog. That person should not have a dog. Easy mm-hmm. peasy. Boom. Done. Yeah. Right. But like. We still have to try to find the energy and muster up the courage to go, well, why don't I at least maybe ask them why they're in this situation before I start going on the fact that they shouldn't have this pet or whatever. We also haven't even started to touch on where the dog goes. If we don't want people to have their animals, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't want them to have their pets then that's actually a really easy answer. Where do those pets go? Hello, they go to the shelter. Right. Do we want more pets in shelters? Hell no. No. No, not even close. Yeah. So
1: why are we not doing everything in our power to keep those pets in those homes. Right.
0: Why do we want to take a dog that is super duper loved and rip him away from its owner and then walk across the threshold of the shelter and pop it into a, you know, cold kennel right. by itself where it now is scared and doesn't understand why it isn't with its owner anymore. Yeah. And since we're not talking about outright like abuse or neglect cases, mm-hmm. that dog was like, man, I was fine right where I was. Right. I don't know why I'm here. Yeah. I want my best friend back. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were both a little bit hungry, but that's OK. Right. Like, oh, man, no, 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 no. So, yeah, I think that that's a huge thing, too, mm-hmm. if we can just kind of reframe our thinking yeah. to, well, why don't we go back to how we want to ask why? Yeah. You know, so, you know, instead of now we're not talking about asking somebody why they don't like people type dogs where they're saying, let's ask the owner what's going on in your life? How can I help you? Mm -hmm. I had a situation actually recently. It was in San Antonio, Texas, Mm -hmm. where there was a mom dog that was tied up to a fence with some babies. And the woman that contacted us had a whole bunch of ideas of what was maybe going on. And they thought that the people had gotten evicted and that they had left forever and that they were bad people. The yeah. police had been there sometimes and, and whatnot. So they were like ready to go and like remove these animals themselves. Ba- basically steal them. Sure. Um, I don't know if you're hearing a little bit of whining in the background here. <laughs> TK came by to say hello to everyone apparently. What seems to be the problem, buddy? He's like, I have not gotten any pets in 12 minutes. Right. And that's his tail hitting the doorway <laughs> you <know>? now too. Because <laughs> he's actually really well... Really well cared for. He's just fine, everyone. Yes, He's nice. like, I beg to differ. <laughs> as his tail I wags know. hard again against <laughs> the door. You are totally fine, buddy boy. Hang on one second. It doesn't sound like it because we don't really have commercial breaks. and this is yeah. a podcast, But we had to take a little commercial break there and uh, tend to Mr. TK, the taco king, my dog. <laughs> He is happy as a little pig in poo now, so we're all good to go. Back to a story that takes place in uh, San Antonio, Texas, where a family was perceived evicted, Mm -hmm. and it was thought that they had abandoned their uh, mama dog and puppies. The folks, they got really upset about this. They had a hard time communicating with animal control, I think, because they were... So upset, which yeah. I can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I know that most animal control is trying to do the best that they can right. in the situations that they have. So when animal control did visit this property, mm-hmm. it was found out then that the people had not yet been evicted and yeah. were not gone forever. Mm -hmm. They were apparently, though, in the process of leaving and whatever. So my point is that when I was talking with these folks and it was my view that if we could have found out what was wrong with the people, we could have helped out with the dogs right so you know I don't ever want people to put themselves in harm's way I think that there are some situations where that's a little dicey to go to go knocking on doors but I also think that there are a lot of situations where uh, we could go knock on the door Mm -hmm. I'm a big proponent of bringing cookies sure I don't know how Mm -hmm. someone says no to cookies that you just pulled out of the oven if you don't feel comfortable with that um we've suggested cards in the mailbox yeah. you know before that if you need any help if there's anything that i can help you with mm-hmm. i'm your neighbor yeah. and i'm happy to talk with you about it or you know sure. do whatever i can for yeah. you that way too i mean so then we're 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 actually alleviating some of the craziness that animal control goes through we're yeah. alleviating some of the craziness that shelters go through mm-hmm. when we just stop for a moment and ask somebody if they need help and why, right. wh- you know, why is your dog tied to the fence? Is there something that I can do for you? Sure. Is right. there some way that I can help you? Again, getting rid of the us versus
1: them mentality.
0: Right. Let's go with us yeah. and them. Right. Let's do it together. Mm-hmm. Let's do it together. Let's do it together then for that dog. Right. You know, if we want that dog off of the fence, then let's work together together with the owner and see what we can do to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that it should be said, too, that we've traveled enough now to know that different communities in the United States need different things. Absolutely. And they're all over the place as far as what you can really implement in your community and Mm -hmm. what your community really needs, Mm -hmm. how much resources you have, how much time you have. If you're thinking about starting an owner support initiative in your community. I think it should be said that no initiative is too small. You can start out small. Mm -hmm. And what do these different things look like? I mean, there's probably a whole bunch of ideas that other people have had that we still haven't even ever witnessed or seen or, or anything like that. But Well, I think it really depends on the needs of your community.
1: I think that if you know your community really well, if you don't know your community well, I think the first step is to get to know your community well and to get to know what they need. So is that flea and tick, you know, depending on the parts of the country that you live in, that might be more or less important.
0: Is a heartworm. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Heartworm
1: treatment for sure. Yeah. So getting to know your community first and what the needs are versus what you think that they need. Right. You know, right? It's like, true. I think that that's a big thing. Um, so I think that that's the first step here in, right. in creating an owner support program.
0: Right. And it goes back to, you know, just really trying to figure out what's really going on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And trying to see what you really need. There was a initiative in North Carolina that's like one of your very favorite yeah. organizations out there. And they started their initiative by just trying to get Dogs off of chains. Yep. Now here in Milwaukee, we don't have a lot of need for that. Sure, um, are there some dogs chained? occasionally. Right. Sure. Is it something that could really support like a nonprofit or a whole n- initiative or whatnot? I don't I don't know that it is. Right. Yeah. I don't really think that that it is, you know, heartworm preventative, not our biggest priority up here in, right. in the upper Midwest. You know, right. I mean, we don't have a knock on wood, a big mm-hmm. heartworm problem. Right. If we were in Atlanta. hmm. Completely different. Right. Completely different. We would be trying to get everybody on heartworm preventative immediately, no questions asked. So, yeah, I think that that is a really good point. And I think that they can find some of that stuff out through their local shelter, through their local animal control, whatever that kind of looks like, by looking up, you know, different census reports and stuff, too, as far as pockets of, of areas that might need more help than others
1: yeah there's a fantastic quote out there too going back to what you said that even little stuff is helpful so it's start where you can do what you can and it'll be enough right so it, it truly will you you don't have to come out of the bat doing spay and neuter and heart room treatment and flea uh-huh. and tick and vaccines just find right.
0: out what your need is and focus on that first right right absolutely and i think that some places have a desperate need For services to be brought to them because of so much of lack of transportation. Other places you can get away with having people come to you. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they can figure a way out, uh, a way to do that. Um, Some places have both, but you're only going to be able to do whatever it is that you're Going to be able to do yeah. relying on your local shelter or large rescue type of organizations to be able to do this also, mm-hmm. I think is asking a lot. I would love yeah. to see some more small initiatives pop up around the country, separate maybe in collaboration with a local shelter or a, a rescue organization or whatnot, but. That's such a full-time
1: job. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, in a serious sort of way. So CRISP, operating in Chicago out of CACC, that animal control facility. So they are in the lobby of animal control. And people who want to surrender their dogs, they can come up. They ask, why? Yeah. What can we help you with? Right. And then they figure out a way to keep the dogs and the owners together which Mm -hmm. is absolutely brilliant beautiful yeah it's so sad too because when you truly don't have the financial means something that is a quick fix Mm -hmm. can really be the difference between surrendering your pet and Mm -hmm. keeping your pet with you so they fix things like ear infections um, some minor surgeries all of that stuff was standing in the
0: way of the pet parent keeping their dog right so sad but a little help can go a long way yeah it's insane really yeah to Think about the things that are standing in the way of pets mm-hmm. staying with their families. I know. When I worked in animal control mm-hmm. as an animal control officer in Milwaukee, yeah. I brought in, um, there was a complaint. About a dog that was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, so the neighbors kept complaining and complaining about this injured dog and went and picked it up. The dog had a sock on its paw yeah. area and was tripoding around, walking sure. on three legs. And we took the sock off mm-hmm. and recognized that it had probably really old, broken. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call that a wrist. Okay, I do sure, exactly yeah. what that is in dog area. Yeah. She actually had like a broken wrist. Mm-hmm. And this owner, so I had an opportunity to talk to her then a little yeah. bit later, was devastated because she didn't have the means. She knew that her dog was... Had hurt itself. Yeah. She didn't have the financial means to be able to Mm -hmm. do anything about it. Yeah. She tried to keep her as comfortable as she could. She put the sock on it originally because she had been licking it. Okay. A lot. And the sock helped to deter her from licking it. Okay. But this woman loved her Dog. She she didn't know who to turn to. She didn't know where to go to try and find. She didn't know what GoFundMe was. She didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. But what she did know was that she didn't want to lose a perfectly good pet that she loved, loved, loved. And here's these neighbors, you know, calling and calling and calling and complaining until we had to go and pick it up. Right. Mm -hmm. It was just so sad. And had she had an opportunity to... Um, talk to someone from like a CRISP or like Downtown Dog Rescue out in California does that. I'm sure that there are other organizations too, but those are the main two that I know of. But or even just... A place to call or whatever and just say, I, I don't know what to do. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, when you have those experiences firsthand and hopefully as you all are listening to this and if you feel like how I felt years ago, your mind is kind of opening a little bit to, an, to a new way of thinking. That's really our goal here with this podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Completely you know, off topic. I'm sorry. No, that was that was great. I mean, I think that it comes down to something, too, that we were talking about off mic about how people. People can love their animals differently. Right. And how we all love, I think, everything a little bit differently people, yeah. material things, mm-hmm. our pets. But you were saying before about...
1: Yeah, for sure. That took me a little bit of time, too, to wrap my brain around. Um, And I think it's hard for a lot of advocates, too, especially in animal welfare, because we are so focused on the dog. Right. And I think a lot of the times we're laser focused on what we feel like love looks like Mm -hmm. and how we feel like dogs should be taken care of. Right. I feel like a dog should sleep in the bed always, all the time, no question. Right. Not everybody's like that, you know?
0: You know that I'm not. I know. No, which is Tk just, sleeps with me all the time. However, he's the first dog that I've owned that has always slept in my bed.
1: Yeah, you're weird. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with that. Right. It's totally okay, but whatever. It is okay. Yeah. And
0: you know that I love my of dogs. Of you do. Yeah. Right? Without a and, doubt. And I know that you love yours. Do. That's a great example of just one difference. To go on. Yeah. Well, was
1: um, shadowing beyond fences in North Carolina. They have in a really high poverty area. There was this woman who kept her dog outside and Beyond Fences did a great job of providing food, water, shelter, shade, all that all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. They built this family a fence. And I was just having a really hard time like understanding why they left their dog outside all of the time. And I was just like, What like that doesn't make sense? Like dogs should be inside dogs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They worked two full time jobs back to back and could not get home to let the dog outside. So it makes sense that the dog was yeah. outside. It's North Carolina, beautiful weather for the right. most part that didn't really dawn on me they'd bring the dog inside every night they snuggle it on the couch they snuggle it on the bed you know i was happy to hear that right um but yeah love looks different they didn't love their dog any less than i love tank right right They just their circumstances were completely different in order for them to feed everybody in the house they had to work two full time jobs back to back
0: right they couldn't do anything about it right but they still wanted to have the love of a companion pet yeah. And thank God that they were able yeah. to, to they, do that. And they they love that dog. They just yeah. needed a little bit of help. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. And, and I think that it is just such a good exercise for us to be. Yeah. Thoughtful. My dog, TK, we usually rescue dogs and we have no backstory, no like real concrete backstory. People love to make up backstories. That's a whole different (laughs) podcast. But we really usually don't have a concrete backstory. TK comes with a concrete, legit backstory because he was owned by a couple... That just couldn't get it together enough to stay out of trouble with the law. Yeah, and when they would go to jail, the police in in that area would bring TK to animal control, mm-hmm. and he would stay there. Mm-hmm. But this couple loved him in a way yeah. that they would come and pick him up when they got out of jail, and yeah. they'd pay the fees. Sure, and they'd come, and they did that three times in his seven years of life, where they had. Him where he was at animal control and they wouldn't give him up. They wouldn't sign him over and they would get out of jail and they would come back and get him. He also lived on a chain, you know, which is just so interesting. But you know that there was some love there. They didn't just go, "Eh, I don't care. And, you know, having worked in animal control, we I'd have seen a lot of people that are just like, hey, man, whatever, I'll go get a different dog. Who cares? They loved him enough that they were like we don't want a different dog we want him back yeah you know until the very last time and i don't know that's the only part of the story that i don't know was Mm -hmm. what the circumstances were so maybe they were going away for a longer period of time i don't know maybe they had really gotten in big trouble but they finally signed him over that time and he was allowed then to go to rescue and then he somehow magically found his way into my life but you know so there was some love there there was. Yeah. You know, and and I never met them or saw them, but like I can just tell you don't come back. Right. You know, you don't pay all that money and come back. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard thing I feel like for advocates to kind of
1: try to wrap their brain around is that love does look different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's okay. Right. You just have to take a step back and support that dog and support that owner so they're able to stay together.
0: If it's a safe situation for all involved, of course, you know, this isn't all inclusive. We're not talking about abuse. Right. We're not talking about neglect purposeful. Malicious sort of malicious neglect, thank you. Yeah, we're not talking about that. And I think that this it comes with a little bit of time and I think it comes with a little bit of of experience and Mm -hmm. circumstance too. So I'm going to go back and just implore you once more that if you have an opportunity that you've been passing up where you could go and volunteer at a health clinic, at a food bank, at something like that, where you could interact with some of these folks. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a vet tech that actually told me Mm -hmm. that she never wanted to volunteer for our pet health clinics until after she came to the seminar. Oh, sure. And she um, had heard, you know, some of this, some of the same things that we're talking about today as part of Pipple University. And after that, she came and started to volunteer some time at our health clinics, and it just changed so much, and it helped her to just really see what it was that we were talking about. So we're just going to really encourage you to just... You know, give this some thoughtful consideration. Yeah. And I think we
1: understand, too, that a lot of people in rescue see the worst in in people oh and in dogs, right? Yes. Like when you're constantly taking in abuse cases and stuff, you feel a certain way about people right. and you look at the world a little bit differently. So, so we do understand that this thinking um, may be a little bit hard for some people. But like Michelle said, we really want to implore you to kind of open your mind and, and consider things a little
0: differently. Yeah, I get that it's hard yeah but that's the cool thing about i think about people advocates of america the podcast sure it's hard right but we're we're saying don't wimp out right we're saying just embrace that difficulty right and let's try and grow together and let's try and evolve together and let's push ourselves beyond our boundaries and beyond our comfort zone Mm -hmm. into that uncomfortable place until it becomes comfortable right that's like True about so many of the different parts <laughs> yes. of advocacy, right? right. Is yeah. you know, like there's so many uncomfortable places that mm-hmm. we have to get into. And then they start to become comfortable. Yep. And that's super duper cool. So we hope that this was some helpful yeah. information. We've got a couple of bricks coming up yeah. on our foundation. You know, we're building this amazing, strong, indestructible advocacy structure yep. that we are really have really high, high hopes and intentions yeah. for advocates coming up. So I hope that you all have a fantastic rest of your day today.
1: Yes. Thank you for tuning in. This was a really important topic to discuss. It was. Kind of the elephant in the room sometimes. So So thank you for staying with us and for opening your mind.
0: Absolutely. And until next time. See you later. Sounds good. Bye. Peace. Peace. (laughs) I want to thank you for joining us today. I really hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, tell your friends and family. Click the share button on the app or take a screenshot and put it on your social media. Please consider taking the next step in advocacy, you guys, by visiting the website at pitbulladvocates.org. Order a bumper sticker, start a campaign in your area, or just ask us for help. I want to thank all of you who give financially to keep our mission moving forward. You can give now by simply texting PBAOA to 44321. We always appreciate your generosity. Oh, and don't forget to click subscribe. Apparently that's a really important part of this whole podcasting thing. Thank you all for being part of the solution and God bless you.